Hello, Kindred Church, and Merry Christmas. Um, welcome. We uh, are truly so thrilled um, that you are here. It means such a great deal to us that you would be here tonight, uh, whether it is your first time here, or you're just visiting, or you're here every week and you call this place home. Uh, it means so much to us that you would choose to celebrate uh, Christmas with us. We are so excited um, you're here. So we are going to begin tonight in what might seem like an unusual place. We are not going to begin with baby Jesus. Instead, we're going to begin with adult Jesus at this moment towards the end of his time here on earth. And then we're actually going to work our way backwards to his arrival. And so I want to start by asking you this question. When is the last time you felt scared or overwhelmed and like you just wanted to hide. You were scared and overwhelmed. And you just wanted to hide. You wanted to disappear, to escape, and to not have to face it all. And the last thing you needed was to be told what to do. So truthfully, for me, there has been many moments like this over the last two years. Um, I remember one moment specifically right at the beginning of this whole pandemic. So it was March or April in 2020, and I was still working in student ministry at another church. And the offices had closed. They had sent us home indefinitely. And then it was my team's task to kind of figure out what youth group was supposed to look like in this whole new world. And if you remember, the world felt like chaos in those first few months. This was the time of no toilet paper. This was the time of like compulsively hand sanitizing. And this was the time that going to Costco or the grocery store felt like something out of the purge or like it was the apocalypse. And all of our conversations at work were about pivoting and were about how to get creative and what could we try or do to try to connect with students. And let me just ask you, have you ever thought or tried or considered holding a small group over Zoom with middle schoolers? Okay, it's tragic. There's just no chance. Okay, kids were sick of screens. We were sick of screens. And all of the adults in the situation were feeling all of the same things that the students were because we too hadn't lived through a pandemic. And personally, I was exhausted. I felt like a rubber band that had been stretched back and forth just too many times and I was about to snap. I was overwhelmed and I was afraid and I just wanted to crawl into a dark hole and never come out because all the problems we were trying to solve just felt too big. And I wanted to hide because I didn't have the answers. And the last thing I wanted to hear was what I needed to do. The next project or the next pivot or the next move, it all just felt so overwhelming. And so can you recall a moment like this for you? Maybe yours is a COVID moment, or maybe yours looks a little different, right? It might be a recent breakup, right? The way you kind of picture your future with someone and the way it just evaporates, right, in a moment. And you're not quite sure what life is supposed to look like now. And maybe you're trying to figure out who gets the apartment or who gets the dog or who gets the friend group. And it all feels really overwhelming and you just want to hide. And the last thing you need to hear from anyone right, is telling you to just move on or just try this new app, right, or just go put yourself out there. Maybe it's the recent diagnosis. That can be paralyzing, the uncertainty, the lack of answers, 
right? Your whole world has just been upended and you've been thrown into this chaos and it feels dark and it feels scary and heavy and it's like you just want to hide until this part is over. Or maybe it's the balancing act of all of these responsibilities of work and of family and of parenting and this advice to be present right now in this season is maddening and almost impossible because all you want is just to lock yourself in the closet for five minutes of peace. I would imagine that for many of us, we don't have to think back too far because despite Christmas cheer and it being the most wonderful time of the year, our world feels dark. And when I look around, it feels chaotic and quite frankly, overwhelming. In our scripture tonight, it begins in a very similar place where the darkness of the world made those living in it want to hide, where all they could see was defeat and was chaos. And so we're going to begin towards the end of this book of John in chapter 20. At this point, Jesus has been crucified. He has been carried away and he's been laid to rest in a tomb. And this is where I want to pick up tonight. That Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. As he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and in his side. They were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. Again, he said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. So verse 19 begins and it tells us that the disciples are hiding and they're afraid. And I want to explore this scene just a little bit. I want us to imagine what the disciples might have been experiencing in this moment. Why are they so afraid? Well, the rest of verse 19, it tells us that they're afraid of these Jewish leaders, right? They have just watched this man that they have given all their allegiance to, that they have spent the last three years following. They've watched him be crucified. And so it makes sense that the same people who went after Jesus might be after them next, right? His confidants, his comrades, his closest followers. And so there's this very real threat of danger and even of death. But what else might be going on here? Many of these disciples, they had given up their jobs, they had abandoned businesses, they had left behind families and spent time apart so that they could follow after and journey with Jesus. And so now with him gone, they had to be wondering, well, what does all of this mean now? Like, do I just go back to the family business? I guess I could ask dad for my job back. Maybe I just go back to fishing. Or maybe I could ask the Roman government, can I have my job as a tax collector back because I have no other options? What are we supposed to do now? Also consider they had just lost a friend and their teacher and this man that they had only just begun to really understand as the Messiah. And so they're grieving. They're grieving. And, And grief does funny things to us. Right? It can paralyze us, making everyday normal things like getting out of bed and making a meal and going to work feel impossible. We feel stuck because we don't know what life looks like now without this person in it. So this is the space that we find the disciples in hiding up in that room. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. 
Now, this is curious, for sure, considering that he was hanging dead on a cross three days before this. And we know that the disciples are behind a locked door because verse 19 just told us so. And so this verse is suggesting that Jesus didn't use the door. He didn't let himself in, but he suddenly appears. So the man standing before them looks like Jesus and sounds like Jesus, but there's also something not quite the same about him. Now he's able to move through walls, which apparently he was not doing before this. And so this would undoubtedly freak anybody out, right? We don't have to pretend, like when we come upon things in scripture that are bizarre, we can say that. We don't have to pretend that it's not, right? This scene is strange. I might even say disturbing. And it was clearly that way for the disciples who were there in this moment. Because notice what Jesus says to them and what he does here. Peace be with you, he said. And as he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and his side. And so the disciples are afraid and they're disillusioned and they are filled with darkness. And what does Jesus do? He comforts them. He says, peace, and he approaches them in vulnerability, right? Holding out his hands and pointing to his side, showing them his wounding as if to say, it's me. It's really me. It's the same me that you saw nailed to that cross and then buried in a tomb. I'm not a ghost, but I'm here and I'm alive and I'm in this body that you saw wounded and broken. And the disciples, it says that they recognize him at this, and it brings them joy. And then he says to them again, right, again he said, peace, peace be with you. And as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. So Jesus leads with peace. And this is important for us to catch, because I don't know what you expect from Jesus in your moments of weakness or in your places of hiding or in the ways that you doubt and you question. But Jesus does not meet us in our chaos and in our fear with condemnation or with guilt or with shame. He does not start with a lecture. He doesn't begin to look at his disciples and say, how could you be so insecure? Or maybe I should have picked a different 11. Or how could you miss this? I have been talking about this for the last three years. He doesn't do that, but instead he offers them peace. He offers them his presence and he approaches them wounds first, right? His arms open and exposed, revealing his vulnerability, the way he was punctured and bruised and cut. And then he says to them, as the father sent me, so I am sending you. As if to say, You can't stay up in this locked room forever. I know the world is madness out there. I know it feels like chaos and you have no idea what is waiting for you or what is coming at you. But you are not intended to stay here in hiding. You are not meant to stay here in this darkness. But I am sending you out as I was sent, as the Father sent me. Now I'm sending you. And so to understand what Jesus is really saying to his disciples here in this moment and what he says to us in our moments of hiding and fear and panic, well, we have to then understand how was Jesus sent? 
And to answer that question, we have to go back. We've been in chapter 20. We need to go all the way back to chapter 1. And so now I want to invite you to just close your eyes. And I want you just to listen first. Listen carefully and see if you can identify or catch on to the way that Jesus was sent. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not recognize him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children not born of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. Kendra, we go back to the beginning where Jesus always was, where Jesus is, and where Jesus always will be. Jesus, who created the world at the right hand of the Father, described as being full of truth and grace. Grace meaning that he gives us and he holds out to us the opportunity to be reconnected to God through his death, through his resurrection, his forgiveness. And full of truth, meaning that he pushes us towards better things for our lives. He's also full, we're told, of life and of light. Jesus was born into a dark world, into a world where the Jewish people were at the mercy of an empire that was dehumanizing them, calling them less, never really giving them an opportunity to overcome. Fate felt completely in the hands of chance. Circumstances felt random at times, and they definitely felt out of control. And some of us can relate to that today. In all this, Jesus appears as light. We're told later that he is the image of the invisible God and that all things are held up through him and the fullness of God resides in him and that he is the beginning and the end. Jesus, we're told, is the word of God. He comes to show us what God is truly like and to help us find direction in this crazy world that we live in. We're told that the word is a lamp upon our feet and a light unto our paths in the book of Psalms. That's Jesus. Jesus comes fully human as well as fully God. It's called the incarnation. Jesus takes on flesh and blood, God on earth. It's designed simply to show us a, a light to this better path, to a better way, to make our path straight where they seem confusing, hopeless, or lonely, to be with us in the midst of our greatest joy, and to be with us in the midst of our, our greatest sorrow and our greatest struggle. And that's Christmas. God with us, no matter what we face and no matter where we go. The Old Testament name for this is Emmanuel, God with us. Light in the darkness of our fear, our uncertainty, he's with us. Lindsay talked about this vulnerability of being in darkness. 
what it's like to not know what's out there, right? We can all, we can all remember or recognize a time in our life or that feeling generically. We don't know what's beyond what we can see or what's waiting for us past the part that we can see. It reminds me of a time where my wife and I, Josie, were, uh, we were in Nicaragua uh, helping out with this medical mission. It was a really cool thing, but every single day we would set up a, a medical uh, office, kind of like a, a makeshift hospital in a local school. And one day we, we found ourselves in this village that had recently been overrun by a rebel group called the Sandinistas. It was scary. Uh, they mostly employed teenage soldiers. So it was a bunch of kids, my kid's age, and camo holding rusty AK-47s, and I was horrified the entire day. But as the day got longer and longer, more and more of these child soldiers started moving in towards us. As it got darker outside, they got more brave. They got closer to us. Until at one point, we finally had to pack everything up and run to get on our bus and get out of there. As we drove off into that dark sky, not knowing what was behind us or in front of us, it was a little unsettling, right? As we got back to the place we were staying that night, it was dark and it was quiet as far as you could look or hear. Every single possibility, both good and bad, remained in that darkness, right? And that night, whether it's fate or God's sense of humor or whatever it might be, about 3 a.m., a power trans, uh, transformer blew up in the middle of the night. I thought for sure I was dead. I was waiting for the, uh, some horrible end to this life. What we found instead was that it was just a random thing. There's nothing going on in that silent darkness, that silent black night out there in front of us. But instead, for those moments and those hours where we sat and waited and wondered, there was this dark feeling that held both possibility and threat in it. As Jesus became human, he lived in that same kind of world. There was possibility and there was threat. He became human and lived in the same environment that we all live in every single day. He became vulnerable to the darkness of this world. He, he, he sheds his right to be at the right hand of God, to be in heaven, to be safe, to be protected from the chaos and the evil and the darkness that we all know and we all live in. Jesus enters this world able to be wounded and even subject to death. He put himself right in the thick of our kinds of lives, lives that are sometimes difficult and sometimes painful and, and often inexplicable. Jesus is with us in that space, in that darkness. He, he comes and, and we're told that he is the true light that gives light to everyone. Not to the perfect or the pious, not to the beautiful or to the devoted, right? Or to the loyal. He gives light to everyone. See, the light of the world is not just an idealistic thing that the Bible came up with to make us feel good. It's not something that we can co-opt for some ideology that we hold on to. It's not contained in the perfect human words or ideas. It's nothing that anybody other than Jesus himself can claim to own. The light that is in Jesus breaks through darkness, our darkness, no matter how dark it is. Jesus tells us his followers across the space and time of thousands of years, all the way along, he says that we are now, you are the light of the world. And that light, it's held in those that are able to both easily make sense of the world around them and, and follow, and it's held in those that, that are really questioning and struggling through life. It's in constructed belief systems. 
It's in deconstructed, reconstructed, and still under construction belief systems and faiths that barely hold together. The light of the world is found in the screams of a newborn baby with a family rejoicing. The light of the world is even found in families mourning and trying to figure out what just happened and how to make sense of the next, thing, the next stage of their life. Because our faith, our light, is in a Jesus that says, everything might not make sense now, but at some point and some time, maybe on the other side of heaven, all of this will come together. The darkness of our lives, the darkness of this world, the things that make us lose sleep or haunt us from our past, they don't stand a chance against the only light that's strong enough to combat them. The light of the world, the light that took on flesh and blood and made his dwelling among us, the light that came to be our pa- our, the light to our path and give us real hope. So Kendra, this is what I want to ask us to do on Christmas. Would you stand with me and have your candles ready? And as I light my candle from our Advent wreath from the Christ candle and hold the light of Jesus high, I want each one of us, as this light spreads throughout the room in just a moment, to remember that the light of Jesus is in us. It travels with us. It's held together through him. No matter how strong and high we can hold it or how low it has to fall, the light is with us and darkness cannot overcome it. Sometimes it's easy. Sometimes it's more difficult. Sometimes we have to carry that light for one another. But Kindred, on Christmas, here's what I want us to remember. As we sing one more song together, I want us to remember that we belong to God and that we belong to each other and that this light, the light of Christ that breaks through all darkness cannot ever be put out or overcome and we carry it with us and we don't hide it. Like it says in Matthew, in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Merry Christmas, Kindred.